You're listening to Travel Bubble with me, Matty Dias. The world's locked down and travelling isn't really an option. So I thought, why not do the next best thing and talk about it? From living all over the world to working as a tour guide, I've seen some amazing places and met some great people. Each week, I'll speak to globetrotters and industry professionals about their travel bubble choices to provide you with post-lockdown inspiration and top travel tips. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Travel Bubble with me, Matty Dias. Hello wherever you are in the world, I hope you're all doing well. As of recording time, Travel Bubble has now been listened to in 41 countries. That's pretty good, isn't it? 41 countries, not bad. I'll give you a rundown of some of those. Peru, Saudi Arabia, Norway, Serbia. Georgia, the United Arab Emirates, a place called New Zealand, another one called Spain, to name a few. That's not bad though, is it? 41 countries. I don't even know 41 people, so in England, let alone 41 people globally. So that's so that's good to see. It's good to see that everyone around the world is listening to Travel Bubble and getting post-lockdown inspiration. Another thing which I thought quite was quite fun this week, I get like weekly updates about chart positions of Travel Bubble like globally. So I'm usually like it's the places and travels charts for podcasts, and I'm usually in the UK chart. I'm usually in the Australia chart, but this week I got an email to say that I was in the uh, Japanese <laughs> chart. I was uh, number 98. I don't know how out of how many, but I was I was down 15 places. So at one point, I was like 83 in the J- Japan's Apple Podcast Japan Places and Travel chart. It's quite fun, isn't it? And I'm also 58 in Italy, down 16 places. It's not a good it's not a good trend. Should be going up. I want to be at least top 3 in Japan, at least. So Sort yourself out, Japanese listeners. Spread the word. Get me up those charts. I want to be a Japanese chart topper. And one way you can help me climb those charts is by spreading the word of Travel Bubble and giving me a review. So if you review us on Apple, five-star, obviously, five-star review, it means that Apple recommend it to more people. Oh, you're interested in travel. Why not listen to Travel Bubble? Oh, you like this podcast, do you? Well, why not try Travel Bubble? You know, that kind of thing. So give me a five-star rating is what I'm saying. But I digress. I will get on with it. And I've got a good episode for you this week. It's episode number 12 with Monica Irowski. And Monica is a VP of Yampu Tours. She a vice president along with a Peruvian husband who's, a, is the, who's the president. And they're a global travel company they've been going since 1998 and she lives and breathes travel she really does and they do high-end tours and trips all over the world and so it's really good to pick her brain and find out for, from someone who plans trips and organizes events all over the world what would her top top three countries be i love that and you can tell that like, she's really knowledgeable and she's really passionate about the countries that she chose so i'm looking forward to uh, you're listening to this one. 
Stick around to the end for Travel Bubble Film Club and a bit more bit more chat. But for now, without further ado, episode 12 with Monica Irowski. Hello, Monica. Welcome to Travel Bubble. Thank you. And pleasure to be with you. Yeah. Where in the world are you right now? I'm in Ojai, California. Great. I'm in very cold Cornwall. So um, oh, no. <laughs> good to speak to you from across the pond. Um, yeah. So thanks for taking the time out, Monica, today. Um, for those that don't know, um, can you give us, give us a bit of brief uh, overview about your background and, and perhaps why I invited you onto the Travel Bubble today? Sure. Um, so my husband and I started a travel company 23 years ago, and we personalized trips all over the world. We started in South America. He's Peruvian. So we started there and we've been building every year. We sell all the continents now. And um, yeah, so I have been all over the world looking for the best experiences for my clients. I have all different kinds of clients. I have families and couples and multi-generational families. I have have some uh, accountability groups that like to do super adventurous things. And so that's what I do for a living and uh, why why I'm here. Yeah, no, thanks very much for taking your time to come on. I really like speaking to like well-traveled people, but particularly the focus of Travel Bubble was to speak to people in the industry. So um, I'm really glad that you've took the time out and come on today, Monica. Um, How did you, like 23 years ago, what made you get into the travel business, the industry? So my husband actually went to law school in London and he was... um, thinking of take I met him in New York he was he, he had uh, subleased an apartment just short term he was thinking of taking the bar and I said to him if you do that I'll never see you you know we <laughs> just started dating yeah and those you know entry level uh, law uh, um, lawyers they they just get are they're overworked so yeah yeah um, so he had a few business ideas because his family had always been in the shoe business. And, um, when we first met, we went to Machu Picchu together. So those were a couple of ideas. He was going to do the shoe business because it was the most familiar. He knew how to do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we went to sign a lease and the lawyer would let us, he said, Oh, I don't like that contract. So my husband said, you know what? I would rather have something that doesn't have a lot of inventory anyway. That's more of a service industry. Um, and I believe that this trip we took to Peru was amazing and uh, other people would like to do the same thing. So we just started developing packages in Peru. There's so many different places to go. Um, so we just uh, started right then and there and, and we've never looked back. It's been great. Great. So what were those first trips like? Were you, were they, were you advertising to family and friends? How did you get those business like that business to start with? So this is going to sound weird, but um, the internet was fairly new at the time. Google was fairly new. Uh, pay-per-clicks. Nobody knew that you could pay for a keyword and have your page show up. So as a yeah. tiny, small, new business, that was a viable option. Now, 
if I want to sell a tour to Ecuador, it's like $25 a click for Galapagos, you know? But then it was cents, like five cents a click. So we would come up uh, on the first page and we've never been good at SEO, but we were doing that pay-per-click for like 15 years. And um, so we just started that way with our our web page. And then in Peru, um, we had to get everything together. There's so many areas of Peru that I wanted people to see and I wanted to be able to customize it. So I just needed to summarize all the different options that people could do. And then each and every person that called in, we would tailor it to their um, their dates and their uh, their travel style. Okay, and you've you've grew from there, really. So like now, your business twenty three years on. What are people like? How do you find a place? Do you go out and find the places first, or do people come to you and say, "Tell me"? Do, do you tell them, or do they tell you? Like that's probably my basic question. Um, A little bit of both. Um, Our clients love traveling with us. We were doing things in a new way, um, really great customer service. So they wanted to keep going to new destinations. So I I think that they drove our desire to have to add a lot of new destinations for them to choose from. Yeah. uh, Because they kept coming back. And so we started with just South America and then Central America. And then they wanted to go other places, you know, because a lot of people take maybe four trips to South and Central America. Uh, I'd say that was the average of what people take. I mean, I can go to each country. I like to know it in depth. So I, I'm not, I don't collect countries. I want to know each and every country I sell in depth. So I'll go there, um, you know, many times to each and every country to get to know every nook and cranny of it. And then, so when clients come to us, now, sometimes they'll know where they want to go, or sometimes they will tell me the time of year they're going, and I'll, I know where they've already been, kind of have it in my head where they've already been, so I will tell them where to go next. And my salespeople also have this kind of relationship with their clients where they know where they've been, they know where they need to go, and, and based on the time of year that they want to travel, we can, we can suggest something that, that fits perfectly for them. Okay, so was it tricky like finding that like sweet spot because they say you were people wanted to go somewhere you'd have to have been there yourself like to in order for you to like fully experience it was it hard keeping ahead of the curve and and going to those places before people wanted to go there yeah it is hard but we also have our whole team so yeah sometimes if we can't get there we'll send somebody else on the team um, to go. So that helps a lot. It's like uh, multiplies what we're able to do. Yeah. Um, obviously COVID had a, bit, had a big impact on this industry. I'm, I'm a tour leader um, by trade. I've not been able to do that. So hence the podcast, I'm, I'm talking about travel instead. How have you, like, how, how has it impacted uh, Yampu like in, in general and, and you, you personally? Well, we, because we sell all the different areas of the world, we've never had a slow period. Yeah. And uh, so I'm kind of trying to hold on and look at it like a huge spring cleaning. 
So there's a lot of destinations that we were selling because we'd been there, but they weren't added on the website. So new people wouldn't know about it. Um, So those pocket things that we had, we we put them all on the website. So we added probably 20 or 30 countries onto the website. So we've been busy doing that. I've been talking on all of the podcasts I can get on because it helps my mind to keep thinking about all the travel stories. Because I used to remember names of hotels, times of trains, times of planes, um, like all these like crazy details that are in my brain, which why I can't remember anything else. Um, And so if I don't keep talking about it and if I don't keep thinking about it, I might forget. So I need to keep talking. So I've been on probably 30 podcasts telling different stories based (laughs) on what that podcast wants to hear. Yeah. 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 So that's been really fun. I've been learning social um, media more because we used to have just our marketing team handle that. But I find that if I'm personally on there engaging with people and then engaging with my marketing team, that it's nice to get more personal relationships on social media. I'm learning new apps like Clubhouse and TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone my age thinks I'm crazy for being on TikTok, but I actually really get a lot of joy off of it. It's fun. Okay. So, yeah. No, that's great. Um, So, when everything is good to go and we're good to travel, what's like the, what do you think is going to be the latest, the next trend? Like where are people, people, not, people eyeing up to go in the future? Well, um, in 2021, I'm focusing on nature destinations because I really don't think we need to be in crowds for the rest of this year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not advocating any kind of party travel, um, but Going to uh, an African safari, I, had, I just had colleagues that spent a month working and, and being on safari. And they said that once they got to the safari, they felt so safe. Yeah. yeah. And, and because your tent is like 200 meters to the next tent, you know, um, so you're really, you know, you're really social distance and you're out in nature and that vitamin D that you're getting from being outdoors. Um, so I, any kind of nature off the beaten track destination is what we should be looking at at 2021. And then I believe that in 2022, hopefully around the world, most people will be getting vaccinated and we can start to look at maybe going on a cruise again. Um, maybe, and I've never been, uh, uh, I've never been someone that liked big cruises. I took one and that was it for me. I've always been on small boats like, uh, Amazon river boats or the Mekong Delta or Galapagos, but never any big cruises. So I'd still say small boats, even in 2022, um, starting, maybe you can start doing some cities and, and museums in 2022, um, so that's, that's kind of where my head is at. And then um, also people um, are really wanting adventure and they're really wanting to get to places that are off the beaten track. Yeah. You know. Uh, such as, like, we're, we're, it's hard to find those, like, off the beaten track countries now because it's they feel like, like they, they obviously exist, but what, what does that mean to you? It's not necessarily about the country, it's about 
within each country, there's off the beaten track places that um, not everybody's going to. Yeah, yeah. And, and that goes back to that, you know, I don't collect countries. I collect like places, like really specialized places. So for example, you can go back to Peru. Most people go to Peru once. And um, so you go back to Peru and there's the second Machu Picchu and you have to hike in and you can camp there and you may be camping with 20 people. Yeah. You know, um, so that's an amazing experience. It's just, it's, uh, it's, it's just, it, it's like a Machu Picchu with no people. It's, it's, it's incredible. Another experience, another country, if you want to name a country is Guyana. Right. So you can go in Guyana and be helicoptered to the top of one of the biggest waterfalls in the world. No one else around. You can even camp there if you want. Yeah. Okay. You're selling it to me now. Yeah. I like, I like it. Yeah. yeah. You can go with the uh, local indigenous people and go for a, a learning to live in the woods, kind of like learning survival camp. And they'll teach you how to fish with a bow and arrow. And they'll show you the spider that's so big that it eats birds. You know? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I, love, I love that. So it's about finding maybe the country itself is not like it's it's been like you say people collect countries it's people know about it but it's about finding those unique off the beaten track experiences within those countries and yeah. they're available everywhere like i can think of some in england now like like yeah i, I know what you mean yeah. I like it. yeah yeah i think that should be the trend right now okay um monica when did you first get that travel bug then when did you first like start exploring and, and visiting places well, um, when I was a senior in high school, my dad, my, I was invited to go on a family trip to Florida. I lived in Indiana and, um, that's where Indiana people go and travel to Florida. I mean, all of them, like 99%, okay. you know, um, maybe back then, maybe, definitely back then, maybe they're, they travel more places now, but back then 99% of us vacation went to Florida. So I was invited to go on a family trip and I think it was going to cost, I don't know, $500 to go with this family. And my dad said, you have to choose between that and a prom dress. So I chose the travel. Yeah. And, and I didn't know at the time, but I look back on it and laugh. And I, and I think all those years I wasted doing other things. I should have known right then that travel was my bug, you know? <laughs> So I would say then, and then after college, I moved to Hawaii. Nice. And um, so I started exploring the islands around Hawaii and I explored um, California and Lake Tahoe, you know, so I started doing that. And then um, I ended up meeting someone who lived in Paris. I moved to Paris. Oh, wow. um, I didn't like living in Paris because I am terrible at languages. It's like, I have a learning disability. Um, and that's it, you know? And so um, not being able to speak the language and not being able to work. I, I'm a worker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, then I moved to New York and then I did a few international trips. And then I met my husband who has been traveling all his life and he's really good at making sure that we always have something on the calendar that we always have something to look forward to um 
so he's the he's the motivating force on making sure that we're always like having a good time okay so yeah like when you go on holiday do you, do you ever have time to relax or you, are you always looking for new destinations to add and play play oh this is a good place i might be able to sell this it's funny <laughs> because I, my kids don't want to travel with me anymore because every holiday they had, we took them on hotel inspections in different countries. <laughs> They've seen thousands of hotel rooms because they would come with us, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had like little iPads and they could have waited in the van with the driver, but they started liking to see it too, you know? And now they don't want to have anything to do with the travel <laughs> business because, you know, we took them on too many like hotel inspections, but they um so yeah but to me just being out of the country and being able to do fun things and eat great food um even though i had to do the hotel inspections you know um i still really enjoyed it and it was a vacation to me yeah um yeah okay well i'm very interested to see your travel bubble choices so i might jump into that segment are you you're familiar with the concept monica yes I remember I got in touch with you and you said, oh, that's easy. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that, <laughs> that format. Okay, I have to correct that. That is not easy. I could not <laughs> narrow it down to four, three. I need four at least. Yeah, it's the third one is the tricky one, people say. <laughs> because if you like traveling as much as I do, I mean, we I have like destinations in all areas of the world. And so I have to cut out a whole section of the world to do yeah. three. hundred percent. Yeah. It's tricky. So that being said, Monica, what would be your travel bubble destination? Number one. Number one is Peru. Right. Okay. Peru has the mountains, it has the sea, it has the jungle, um, it has the desert. In one country, it has like all these different kinds of, of um, places that you can go and see. So that would be a good one um, to include. Yeah, so you've got all the landscapes. Also, I all love the, the food. Okay. Um, yeah, so it, it's like it, it ticks all the boxes. How many... How many times would you say you've been to Peru? Like that was your first destination you, you sold? Like, oh, I I don't know, maybe fifteen. We, I mean, we we try to go every year. This seems to be the longest year. I mean, I don't think we'd gone to Peru for a year before the COVID happened. And that I don't know. So I guess it's only been a year. It feels like it's been four. But <laughs> um, so yeah, probably around fifteen times. Okay, and like. You mentioned, like, obviously doing the like the the Machu Picchu. Is that like the thing that you still say to people that they have to have to go and do that while they're there? Yeah, um, you have not every time, but you should visit Machu Picchu and and uh, several times is is great. I mean, I still haven't done all the hikes above Machu Picchu, so there's still things that I could do. You know. Um, I don't go there every time I go and, and you don't have to, if you've been to Peru, you don't have to go back. There's so yeah. many things you could do um, though. I would want to get you to the uh, other places, unless you had a desire to go and do more hikes above, you know, just stay, I mean, it's just a special place. Yeah. Yeah. Is it hard to change people's mindset? Like, cause they, they, might, they probably have that on the bucket list. So they go, oh, I want to do Machu Picchu and you go, well, I can take you to the, like you mentioned earlier, the second match you beat you. Is it hard to like 
change people go well that's really on my bucket list or you find that people are more open now to like those off the beaten track suggestions well no i would never not have someone who hasn't been go to Machu Picchu. Right. I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't even be something I would try to talk them into if they, because it's just, it's just like, I don't know, going to India and not seeing the Taj Mahal or, yeah. you know, you know, it's, it's like you kind of have to go to have perspective. If you go to the second Machu Picchu, you know, to have the perspective to have, and, and it is one of the most special spiritual places in the world that I've been. So I definitely would have them go, but on second and third and fourth return trips, then I could fill their time with really amazing adventures off the beaten path. Um, You know, one year I went for a week and stayed in the Saker Valley, which is uh, between Cusco and Machu Picchu. And it's this beautiful area with so much to do. And I worked in a school and the weather is like fantastic. So, um, you know, I find that that would have to be one of my places because I, I could continue going every year and still see things that I haven't seen before. Okay, great. So logistically, do you fly into Cusco? Is that right? You fly into Lima. Lima, okay. Um, I've never been to Peru. Isn't it one of the cities like, like, you can get a bit of altitude sickness when you fly in there because it's so, elevation so high. Cusco, yeah. Lima sea level. Um, and sometimes if people are rushed for time, I'll just connect them right to Cusco. Um, but if they have the time, uh, Lima is a, a foodie city. It's on the sea. So it's nice for a few days. And then Cusco, when you fly in, you're at 11,000 feet. So I could take you down to the Sacred Valley, which is nine, but you'll still have feel a little bit of altitude. Yeah. Um, Machu Picchu is at 7,500. So sometimes I'll, even though it should be the finale, sometimes I'll put it earlier in the that Cusco itinerary so that when you come back up, to Cusco and Sacred Valley, you feel healthier because you've descended and then gone up again. Okay, right. So, um, so I, you know, it depends on the client. I play around with it, but um, yeah, it definitely affects a lot of people. And you know, pisco sours is the drink there, and there's pisco sour tasting bars, and it could be like a really nice experience. But I don't really push it a lot because you can't you have to stay hydrated at altitude and alcohol takes uh, away your hydration okay that's a good tip so don't be too tempted by those pisco sours then <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, and a lot of times i'll give it to you as a welcome drink and it's like the first time i went i we stayed in the monasterio before it was renovated and and um i mean it's always been a beautiful hotel now it's like stunning because the Belmont um, chain has manages it and every little detail is perfect, but um, it's just a beautiful building and it's on a beautiful square. And I got off the plane, went into my hotel. I was so excited. I ran out the front door of the hotel and was practically running down the street. And then suddenly the altitude hit me. I had to sit down on the sidewalk on the dirty ground, you know, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's real, isn't it? Like I was I was speaking to someone earlier, um, 
I, I get affected by altitude sickness. And there's nothing you can do about it. It doesn't matter your size, your age, your height, your weight, your sex. If it affects some people, does it, it doesn't affect other people. So it is it is a pretty like unfortunate thing if you do get affected by Yeah, I now take Diamox when I go. Okay. That's good to And Diamox again dehydrates you, so you have to drink a lot and you have to avoid alcohol, but um it, it helps me a lot because the, after I had my baby, um, I was affected a lot more by the altitude than I was that first time I went. Okay. So that, that changed you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I changed my body. And so now I always take Diamox when I go to, um, Cusco. Okay. That's a good tip. Um, you might have already mentioned it, but what would be your must do activity for people who are visiting Peru? Cusco, I I would have them do Cusco um, because, um, you know, sometimes people want to rush to Machu Picchu and Cusco is one of the most well-preserved South American cities. Um, the little cobblestone streets, the food is amazing. Um, the artisans are amazing. Um, it's, the weather is really nice there. Uh and um, so I, I just think it's a great, and, and the history with the Mayans and the Spanish and um, being able to, uh, sorry, did I say Mayans? The Incas, <laughs> the Inca walls um, with the huge stones and they, they managed to put them together without mortar. It's really interesting yeah. um, and really beautiful. And there's beautiful art and beautiful shopping. There's something for everyone, beautiful foodie experiences, um, I like people to meet indigenous culture people, you know, um, maybe go for uh, tea in their home or, you know, do a pottery class with them or a weaving, you know, there's so much to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, you're touching it a bit, but what would be your, like the, the must have food to try in Peru or is there any, is there any meal that sticks out in your mind that you've had? Yes, it's hard to pick one. Um, <laughs> so what I cook for my family all the time from there is lomo saltado. And so what happens in Peru is they have the uh, indigenous, they have the Amazonian um, fruits and vegetables, they have the indigenous fruits and vegetables, they have the seafood from the sea, uh, oh, potatoes. They have 2,000 kinds of potatoes in the Andes. Right. Then they had the, so they have the indigenous, they have the um, rainforest uh, people, which they're two different kinds of people. They have um, a lot of uh, European um, ancestry now. Um, Chinese and Japanese came to uh, um, Peru and also um there's a, a, a black culture um, there too. So the, all of these different cultures came together. And so it's the most amazing food. So lomo saltado is almost like eating an Asian dish, but it has, um, so it's the base of it is garlic and cumin and this pepper, the aji amarillo, which is my, my secret ingredient. I put it in everything. <laughs> okay. And, um, and then you, you fry up the, the meat or you can, last night I did it with fish. Um, and then you use red onions sliced really thin and, um, 
and you saute that in olive oil and with the salt, pepper, and cumin. And then you um, you add the tomatoes and do the same thing. And then you put red um, wine vinegar in each, each, you know, when you do the onions, you put a little red wine vinegar, let it steam off a little, and then remove it. And then you do the tomatoes the same way. Okay. And so then at the end, you add more ahi amarillo, you add um, soy sauce. So, which is why I think it's kind of, you know, maybe yeah, so you've an got Asian. Like the, you've got like the sour and like the taste from like the, the, the vinegar mm-hmm. and you've got like the soy. Yeah, okay. Exactly. And then the last thing you do is you put cilantro and french fries on top. Oh, this sounds great. And you toss <laughs> this with the French fries and you serve it with rice. It's the it's a hit. Every time I make it in my family, it's like everyone eats it. Everyone will come if I say I'm making lomo saltado. Well, I was I was all up for it. And then you said you 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 put the French fries in as well. And I was like, right, I'm I'm I'm, I'm really up for it now. <laughs> That's my kind of dish. Sounds but great. it's just a, it's amazing because it's so many cultures in that one dish yeah yeah okay that's amazing so is there anything else you'd like to say about peru before we move on to your next country um yeah just uh it's a great destination for hiking for family destination um you've got the amazon rainforest needs to be it's the best place to see the amazon okay how so Oh, it has beaches too. Um, the because it's the most well preserved, and uh, the lodges that they've done there are really nice. Uh, they've done them with the indigenous culture there, and um, it's so it's a win win situation. Um, okay. The people there are making money from working there, and um, you know, there uh, the wood and everything that's made of to you know to so they work together. It's for them. Okay, so it's like um, responsible and sustainable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, great. And then there's also a really nice responsible, sustainable, but luxury cruise there. Um, and so you can go get into all the, but it's not, it's not, um, it's not touristy. It's really done in a nice way. And it's a beautiful, um, there's so much to see there. It's really beautiful. Oh, sounds good. Great. So Peru would be your destination number one or mm-hmm. would be your travel bubble destination number two. So um, I had to put something in in Europe. So uh, because I don't think I could live without going to Europe once in a while. <laughs> so I chose Italy because I, I mean, you can tell I'm pasta. I love pasta. <laughs> um, but no, not just that. I mean, the Italians, everything they make is just so precious. You know, um, they, from the simplest thing, like a simple caprese salad there, I don't know what they do anyway, why it's better there than anywhere else in the world, you know? Um, uh, when I was in Rome, no way, where were we? We were in Florence and um, uh, a f- we have some Italian friends and they said, go to this square and eat any restaurant. So, and it was just where the locals go. There weren't any tourists there. Um it went there and I ordered a red, a red um, pesto, a red pesto changed my life. Now (laughs) I make this all the time at home. Um, The red pesto was just amazing. And so, um, 
And, and like, if you go out into Tuscany and you stop like, a, and you stay on like a farm, I remember we stayed on a farm. It was like really inexpensive. They have all this agri-tourism there. Yeah. And um, we stayed on a farm and the, the chef there made us the best um, ragu. I think it was made with boar or something. It was just amazing. I, I just, I, I mean, that was probably 20 years ago and I still remember it. I yeah, still those, think th- about those it. Kind of meals, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, they have the architecture and the art and they have beaches. I, I, if I'm only going to get three countries, I need to get, they have mountains, Lake Como. Um, you can go skiing there. I, if I have to only three countries, I've got to get the countries that can give me almost everything I need in one country. No, that's a good choice. Yeah. So um, where would you recommend visiting in Italy? Like what would you recommend doing? So Italy is a place that you can go to every couple of years or every year, um, depending on where you are and how easy it is to go. Uh, it's like if you live in Europe, like for you, you could go there every year. For me, I might go to Mexico every year because it's so close. You know, I can get yeah. there in two hours. So, and you really should, um, you know, do every different region in Italy. You know, and um, and also the drive between Switzerland and Italy is like really beautiful. Oh, I can imagine. Um, you know, all the little towns you can stop in. Italy for driving also has like the best um, truck stops. <laughs> I mean, they have really good food in their truck stops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I would just say like, you'd have to do every area. I mean, all the way from Lake Como, you know, um, down to Amalfi, Capri, um, there's islands there. Uh, Sicily is great. Uh, so yeah. Um, and then, uh, the, um, Tuscany, Florence is my favorite city. Um, Venice favorite, is awesome city in Italy or like one of your favorite cities in the world favorite city in Italy yeah. and I think it's probably top 10 favorite city of the world okay very romantic you know great places to stay right there by Tuscany which is like an area that I just love in Italy and again, I mean, just Tuscany alone, I think you could go many times. Yeah. And still be discovering new little towns and, you know, new farms and new wines and new foods. Now, like, one of the things about this podcast, Monica, is like people like talk about countries with such passion. And it's like, oh, great. I'm going to have to go to Italy now. I'm going to have to go back to Italy and just explore, <laughs> all, explore the whole of Italy because it's just like, it, it, it excites you and yeah. you know you can't it's it's inexhaustible isn't it even even one country is inexhaustible so when you, yes. when you take the whole mm-hmm. when you take the whole world into account it's 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 quite uh it's quite a task getting to getting your head around it um but that's one of the reasons i like this podcast is because i i get to hear about other people's favorite places and you speaking about italy like makes me want to go just go there and just drive around and eat and see things. <laughs> the greatest places to eat in Italy are the like, like towns that you like when you you're driving on a long drive and you have to go to the bathroom. And so you look at the map and you pick some town that nobody's ever heard of. 
Yeah. And you go to their main square and eat in their restaurant. That's, I, there's some that I didn't write down. I didn't write down the name of the town. Didn't write down the name of the restaurant. But still remember the food. Yeah. I, I see what you mean. No, like those meals. I used to live in like Spain and it's a town in Spain mm -hmm. called um, San Luca de Baramida. So it's in between Seville, Sevilla, where everyone knows. And it's next to uh -huh. Cadiz, which everyone knows. But this San Luca de Baramida, there's a little square and it has some of the best restaurants I've ever been to in my life. Really inexpensive and like the tapas are dirt cheap. But in that town, like that no one goes to or no one outside of Spain knows about, like, the best food in uh, I've ever had. And but like, Oh my God, you have to send me the name of that town. I will. I'll do that for you after I forget. Off and, I'll, and I'll tell you the name of the restaurant as well. It's but okay. like, That's what it reminds me of that. Like you wouldn't go there unless you were seeking that out. But oh, now you're going to have to put it in the show notes. Yeah, everyone's going to want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So what would be your must-do activity or must-visit place in Italy then? You've got a lot to choose from. Wow. Um, the must-do um, the must-do would be a, um, a drive in Tuscany uh, and maybe to Siena. Okay. I, I, when I'm picturing it in my head, it's like in an open top convertible. Yes. And you're driving. Yes. In a, in a little open top Fiat, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, or a little tiny one, those little tiny convertibles um, and, um, you know, nice hat and um, do some wineries and go to small towns, um, maybe get a bike and or a horse, you know, go stay in a farm, get a bike or a horse and discover, you know, go that way. Um, no, yeah, that's a good, I'd, I'd second that. I've never done it, but I'm up for it. I, like, yeah. <laughs> I can picture yeah. it in my head. Um, what would be your food of choice in Italy? Again, spoiled for choice there a bit. My food of choice. So when you go to those farms, um, I, it, um, if you eat meat, you should do their ragu of the day, whatever they're, whatever they have. Um, they really probably work really hard. It probably cooks all day, maybe two days um, to prepare this meal. Um, so a ragu of choice. And if you're a vegetarian, do the red pesto. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I had to sneak two in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's a good idea. But it sounds like a cliche, but the... All the Italians I know, like they have they have that passion, and they'll fight over food and they'll fight over coffee, like because they, they just love it so much. And I'm friends with an yeah. Italian chef, and like like if you sit sit around with a bunch of Italians, they they the, the passion and like the um like the the aggression, the sort of aggression that they speak about food and like how much they love it, or how, and how possessive they are about certain things and how how which way it should be done. It's, it's really nice to see. Yeah. They're also, they're also pretty snobby about it, you know, um, uh, like having Italian in America. Like I never want to take my Italian friends to an Italian restaurant in America. Um, and, and I, I can understand why, because just every single, they have dishes with three ingredients. Yeah. Like the, the less ingredients that they put into the dish, almost the better in Italy. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I have to mention the pizza or the focaccia. Oh, yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> because that they, in fact, they, I just was watching Everyone Loves Raymond. I watched those um, uh, repeats at home before I go to sleep. So I, I go to bed laughing, go to sleep laughing. <laughs> And there's the the uh, episode where they go to Italy and Raymond tries, he's been kind of a grump, but he tries the pizza. And he's like telling the guy, oh, my God, you made this? Well, you're a genius, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing so hard because that, I, I know what he means. I mean, you just, uh, I, I, there was a small town in Tuscany, I can't remember which the one it was, where we had the focaccia. It was like amazing. I can still think about it. Uh, I, I I grew up on Everybody Loves Raymond. It used to be on before school. They'd have Fraser and Everybody Loves Raymond every morning, like between like uh-huh. seven thirty to eight o'clock. So I used to watch it every day. Oh, fun! So you went to school happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now, funnily enough, the the creator of Everybody Loves Raymond is his name Phil. Like he's got that series now on Netflix, like Everybody Feed Phil. And he basically, oh, really? I need to look at that. Yeah, basically, he just travels around the world because he's so rich because he sold he sold the rights to uh, everybody uh-huh. German to like a hundred different countries. He's everywhere, and he's he's a very very wealthy guy. So now he's just got this TV show where he just travels the world and people just feed him. It's li- it's literally called Everybody Feed Phil. That's what it's called. Oh my god, I want to feed Phil. I want him to come over for dinner. <laughs> yeah, have, have a look at have a look into that again. I'll send that I'll send that over to you after. But yeah, so it's funny that he. Uh, everyone loved Raymond. Also, was very therapeutic for me because my, you know, the mother in law, and the, yeah. the brother in law, the husband. You know, it was very therapeutic, and you know, it always just made me laugh. Yeah, it's a good show. It's a good, it's a good like American classic sitcom. Yeah. So, um, your two countries. Is there anything else you'd like to say about Italy before we move on? Um, yeah, it just Italy is a country for everyone. You know, there's everything that you can do there between art, food, history, uh, active adventure, skiing. You know, so there's something for everyone there. Yeah, yeah. Like, what's not to love about Italy? Yeah. So you've got two countries so far. If I'm Peru and Italy, what would be your travel bubble destination number three? Oh, I still haven't decided. <laughs> uh, it's between Kenya and Mexico. Okay. What, and what are you Mexico go for? is only Mexico because it's really close, and I usually go every year for my sunshine. Yeah. You know, but I don't know if I could live without seeing Kenya elephants and, and giraffes and, and all the, and being on safari again. So I guess I have to pick Kenya. The <laughs> <laughs> hard choice. Okay. It? Kenya. I'm going for Kenya. Okay. Kenya. So, what? It's a hard choice, but you've, you've gone for Kenya. Why, why Kenya and not Mexico? Obviously, touched on it a bit there. Why do you love Kenya so much? Well, I wanted to pick Mexico, but you won't let me have four. <laughs> um, um, well, because Kenya, the thing is, is that um, Kenya has something that I can't get another other. I can get in other African destinations, but I can't get in in Mexico or Italy or Peru, um, which is in 
beautiful safari camps, um, wonderful parks and nature, and these animals that need to be protected and our tourist dollars are going to them. Um, so I would want to send my tourist dollars. If I only had three countries I could go to, one of them has to be to protecting the animals um, in, in beautiful Kenya. Yeah. So I know a bit of research, you've, you offer um, a lot of holidays in like East Africa and you've been to certainly a few East African countries. What, what makes Kenya special compared to the others? And, and to, like, why, why would you go on safari in Kenya and, and not elsewhere? What, why, why is Kenya the best? Well, I actually have a whole class on this um, and I've done speeches on this at travel shows. I did one on the London travel show about how to pick which country to do safari on. Yeah. And so that Kenya is my place, but Botswana or South Africa might be yours. It really depends on what is in your um, what is in your imagination, and like Tanzania is also amazing, but the park fees are really ex more expensive in Tanzania. So when I'm um, when I'm designing trips for my clients and they like five star, but they don't like to spend like overspend, um, then sometimes I have to do Kenya instead of Tanzania because the park fees are more manageable. Um, and so we can do more and do stay at a better level than we would be able to in Tanzania, which is oh, okay. a lot more expensive. Okay. Um, so, and it's, it's a similar, you know, like the Serengeti in Tanzania is the same park as the Maasai Mara in Kenya. Right. And the river there. And they, you could actually even do a game drive over the, over the border and be in Tanzania. Um, so that park is the same. Right. Uh, and then there was a, a community there at, that I met um, in Samburu. And those people were the smiliest, um, most welcoming, nurturing, sweet. Um, they were, well, not the most. I mean, they, they hit something in me, you know. Right. Um, like, but Botswana too, like every time I would show up at a lodge in Botswana, everyone was super, super fun and, and sweet. And, and when I went to Zambia, I got hurt and, you know, one of the guys that worked there loaned me his crutches. So everywhere I've yeah. been in East Africa, I've, I've met amazing people, but these, this one community in Samburu just, I have a picture with them and we're all smiling and they're dancing and they do this hopping dance yeah, you know, where yeah. the men are really tall and skinny. Yeah, so like they the almost look like a pencil and then they just go jumping up and down. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can picture. What and you so that, that community just kind of like stuck with my heart. Um, so I try to see, send, you know, um, anyone that's interested to go meet them. Um, and you have, um, like so many beautiful wildlife experiences that are possible there. And you also have the beach because if I only have three countries, I need to find places where I have the beach. <laughs> you also have the beach in Tanzania. And if I would have picked Tanzania, I could have had uh, Zanzibar too. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there, there is a, an island off of Kenya called uh, Lamu, I believe. And I haven't been there because they had some problems, you know, um, okay. so, so I actually took it off our website, but I, I noticed that one of my, 
uh, colleagues just recently went. So maybe I, sh- I should go and explore that if it's one of my only three countries. So. <laughs> You'll have the time to do that. But um, like, forgive my na- naivety. I've never done sa- safari and I've never been to East Africa. So are you seeing like the same animals just in different landscapes? Like, like say in um, safari in Kenya or safari in Botswana, what are like the fundamental differences? So each each area, uh, there's parks within each country, yeah. and the um, or conserva- conservatories, um, conservation land, and and so each each conservatory or park will have a different um, set of animals that you can see there. Yeah. So it does vary a lot. Um, I, and so, for example, Botswana um, and Chobe, it's like one of the biggest um, destinations for elephants. Um, in Kenya, and Boseli um, would have one of the biggest elephant destinations in Kenya. Um, in Tanzania, there was a, a lodge I went to and there were tons of cheetahs around there. And that place was in the Serengeti, but like well away from anywhere. Um and so, um, and then, so for me, I take East Africa as a whole section. And when a client comes to me, if they have an animal that they are particularly in love with, um, I might send them to a different destination based on that and their, their budget. Okay. What's the difference? So in Botswana, I did walking with elephants, and that was one of the best experiences of my life. And that was Botswana. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, for each for each client, I would be picking something different based on what their vision, what they're what they're really into. There's the term called the Big Five. Yeah, yeah. And that term, <laughs> excuse me. That term was coined by hunters back in the day, and they were the big five to hunt, and then tourism took it over, and so everyone's looking for the big five, um, but I don't think that, that the people should be necessarily hung up on that. Right. Um, because... Um, you just go out and see what's there, and the and the um, and and you'll see amazing things. Yeah, you'll see so many different amazing animals. Um, and I felt like in Botswana we had to hunt a little bit more for animals. Where Kenya just like you know Jurassic Park, you know. <laughs> um, Actually, they call the Gorogoro Crater in Tanzania the Jurassic Park because it's this crater that's full of animals. Right. Um, so that's what they always dis- um, uh, um, describe as the Jurassic Park is in the Gorogoro Crater in Tanzania. But uh, it's you do see a lot of animals. So it's really easy to see them on safari in Kenya. They're everywhere. Different yeah. things. Okay. Yeah. What about, um, like, say, a really budget-friendly? Like, say, if you've got... A low budget, and you have to go on safari somewhere in East Africa. What's the, what's like the cheap person's option on a budget? South Africa is best for low budget. Okay, but you can still see the you can still see the animals there and go on safari there. Yeah, yeah. So South Africa, um, they're not as free as they are in Kenya. They're 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 there's like invisible fences around. 
you know, um, uh, but the, you won't know it that's there, right. you know, and, um, and so South Africa, yeah, South Africa has some really great, um, hotels that are more budget, but, but still really nice. Okay. Really, cool. really nice. Yeah. Great. So what would be your must do or must visit place in Kenya? Um, so the one, I only get one. You only get one. Yeah. Well, you can, you're there forever. You can do whatever you want, but for the listeners, what, if they're only there once and they have to go to one thing, what would, what would be, what would be that choice? Wow. Um, the, okay. Everybody has to go to the Maasai Mara cause that's the, the Seren, the, the Kenya side of the Serengeti. Um, that's where the river is. If you go during the, um, migration, um, you'll see all the animals crossing the river. That's a bait, great site. Um, oh, that's cool. where we do the balloon. Uh, that's like one of the best places to do the balloon safari. Oh, um, yeah. So like dream, you gotta do yeah. that. You have to do the balloon safari. Um, and I have like little secrets, like, like stay here. So you're really close to it. Cause you're getting up at like three in the morning or four in the morning. So. Okay. Great. And Kenyan food, what would be your Kenyan delicacy? Kenyan food. Wow. I don't is, is there any particular meal that stands out or any experience you've had that stand in, out in your mind? Um, in Nairobi, there's a really famous place for uh, barbecue. Okay. In Kenya. And they do that a lot when you're out on safari, they do a barbecue. And um, it, it's always really delicious. Yeah. So uh, is it a specific restaurant in Nairobi? Yes, but I don't remember what the name of it is. <laughs> it's all right. But basically, go and get some. If you're in Nairobi and you look for the best barbecue place. I'll send find... it to you for your show notes because I do, I do often um, put it in as a side trip, especially a lot of times the flights will come in when you're leaving um, Nairobi. Sometimes the flights from the safari will come in in the morning, but you um, can't fly out until the evening. So we do lots of things around Nairobi and that barbecue restaurant is one of the places that people really love. Um, so I'll find out the name of it and send it oh, to you thank for you. your show. So how detailed, when someone comes to you for a holiday, how how detailed are the itineraries? Do you, like, are you are you picking them up at the airport? Are you, like, are you taking them around? Like, what's, what's a package say in Kenya? Are you doing everything for them? Or does it just depend on the... On so the... In, in all the countries that we sell, um, we include, so we, we pick them up at the airport, um, we help them get on, if they're getting onto another flight, we'll help them get onto the other flight. Or if they're going to a hotel, we trans, all the transfers are included. All the hotels, including breakfast are included. Um, all the tours in English and entrance fees, everything is included. Um, sometimes we'll include lunch if it's, um, a day around, um, traveling and you, you know, we need to get you into the right place. Um, I like to leave dinners free for normally travel, um, because sometimes exploring food on your own is some of the most fun things in travel. Um, but in Kenya, it tends to be that almost every meal is included because when you go to these safari camps, um, they're there to pamper you. They, and you're, since you're a captive audience, because this happened to 
us in the Turks and Caicos. We went to stay in a beautiful hotel. I'm not going to tell you the name because it was beautiful, but the story is not good. Is that you go to stay in this beautiful place and you're a captive audience and they charge you $50 for a hamburger. My husband was miserable, you know? Yeah. So if you're going to be in a safari camp, they include all the meals and some of them even include the alcohol. Like, they'll a lot of times they'll exclude the top shelf unless you go to Singita. Um, but you know, they'll, they'll include alcohol. They include the food. Not all of them include alcohol. Some of them include alcohol. They all include the meals. Okay. Some of them include your laundry. They'll do your laundry for you. And some nice. of them yeah, luxury, in the yeah. high end ones. Hmm. So um, everything is included. All the activities are included. Um, and so that's another thing about Kenya is that, you, you might look at a price of a safari and think it's higher than you normally spend on your trip, but you're not pulling your credit card out at all. And, you know, for a man and a woman traveling together, men get really stressed about pulling their credit cards out, you know, <laughs> like a $50 hamburger stressed my husband out, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so having everything included is just, it really just makes everybody relax and not worry you know, yeah, yeah. Eat what they want to eat when they want to eat it, you know, That's so cool. Yeah, but for most of my trips, like to Peru or to Italy or to any of the other destinations we offer, I like to leave as the most of the meals not included um, because that's just the fun. Of yeah, it gives them a bit of freedom city. to go out and like explore and, yeah. and see what they find. Yeah. yeah, okay, great. I like to say I take the stress, not the adventure, out of travel. So I, I like that. Okay. Yeah, that's a good motto. Um, so. Three countries you've had so far, whether your three travel bubble destinations. Yeah. Um, what would be your wildcard destination? Oh, then I could put Mexico in. <laughs> well, you've been to Mexico though. So the wild oh, card. somewhere I've never been? Yeah, yeah. And the wild card has to be somewhere. I'm not sure why the World Authorities are including this, but they allow you to put a fourth country in and it's somewhere you've never been. Okay, so if I, if it's a somewhere I've never been, um, I've never been to the um, Canary Islands. Okay. But I think they're technically Spain. So I think... Oh. Yeah. I bet you've been to Spain a few oh, times. Oh, so it has to be in a country <laughs> that I've never been. What about um, uh, um, I've never been to Ethiopia. Okay, right there you go. Ethiopia is your wild no, we, country. We sell Ethiopia. One of my employees have been, but I haven't been. Okay, but is it on your bucket That'd list? That'd be my wild card destination. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, yes. Yes. What's it? What's interesting about Ethiopia? What What makes you want to go there? Or is it popular for people booking your tours? It's becoming popular because it has a lot of cultural experiences. Um, you You meet a lot of different people. Um, you see a lot of beautiful historic sites. There's nature. Um, and, um, and, but the people that you meet are kind of like, um, you know, people that haven't been touched so much from tourism. Um, so it's, it's really authentic, um, spending a day, you know, with the community there, um, you know, uh, 
something that you would have in your imagination, maybe something you'd seen in National Geographic, um, but you'd never actually experienced for yourself. So that might be something, and I haven't been, so it's 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 yeah. got to be in my wild card because I'm trying to think of a country I haven't been to. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. So you you had your four choices so far, then, um, some great choices. Um, Monica, before you go, is it okay if I ask you some more generic travel questions? Yeah. Great. Cool. One of the questions is, is there any country that just missed out? I know the answer to that. It's it's probably Mexico. So <laughs> why did Mexico just miss out? What's What's so special about Mexico? Well, for me, living in the United States, um, Mexico is just so close that I can get there a lot. And um, I feel like when I go, um, so sometimes I'll do Yucatan, sometimes I'll do the Pacific Coast, but it's always sunny, except for that time we were there in a hurricane, but um, you know, it's usually the day after the hurricane, it was bright and sunny again. <laughs> um, I love Mexican food. I love spicy. Um, there's so many small towns and so many Mayan ruins and so many, um, uh, places that you can go. It's kind of like Italy in that way, where you can go every year and do a different section of Mexico. Um, and there's a lot to see, um, I don't like driving a car in Mexico. That's one thing that I like don't. Safety concerns. Yeah, for safety concerns, and also like, um, I I rented a car for a girls' trip, and I was returning it to the airport, and somebody pulled me over, and I think they were like a fake police officer, and they got like a hundred dollars out of me. <laughs> that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's just annoying. Nor and when you travel with a tour company. Normally, um, you know, we provide all the transfers. And so you never deal with like that side of Mexico, you know, so I wouldn't want to live there. Um, but just uh, it, just for me, I just don't have the um, street smarts, you know, um, to live there. But some people live there and they have I mean, I'm on a group of Puerto Vallarta because I was thinking about moving there. <laughs> and they have, so many people are happy there. So I don't want to say it's a bad place to move. But for me, because I've been coddled as a tour operator, I've always had people picking me up. I've always had people driving me around. I've never had yeah. any problems. And so every time I think, you know, and, but since you go to Mexico so much, then I, sometimes I think, well, we'll just rent a car. We'll have the freedom. We don't have to say in advance what we're doing, yeah. you know. And every single time, one time we rented a car and um, in Cancun and we drove it to Tulum and we had a flat tire. And then the, um, the, the, the little jack didn't work. It broke when we tried to change it. And then they wanted to charge us. It was like a rusted out like jack thing. And then they wanted to charge it. And my husband got in a fight with them at the, the car rental. And I thought the man was threatening to call the police and the tourism police came in. I mean, it's just, you know, no, no. so rental yeah. cars, no, but if you're traveling with like transfers and going to <laughs> great beach and um, there is just so much to see. And I haven't even seen it all. And I've been there like every year, almost for like 20 years. 
So I've never been to Mexico. What would be your other place where you'd say, oh, go on, go there first? Or if you've only got like a couple of weeks, what would you say, do? Okay. Um, so uh, what year are you going? Um, I'm going 2022. I'd say that. Okay. Okay. Um, so I would do... I would go to... Um, what, you can't just go to one place. You have to like do, I, I, what I usually like to do is some inland destinations yeah, and then a beach because the okay. beach just is so amazing and it's great for relaxing. So we're going to do half the week at a beautiful beach. Um, let's say we do the, the um, hmm. um, let's say we do something south of Puerto Vallarta. Okay maybe Correas, or there's another one um, just an hour north of there, um, which is the beach with no people, you know, nice. um, beautiful. And then but before that, we're going to go to either San Miguel de Allende, which is, it's in the mountains. It's like spring-like, um, uh, like cobblestone streets, you know, I'm getting a theme of what I love, you know, <laughs> cobblestone streets, old churches, lots of art, um, you know, great weather, great food. Um, I also like Oaxaca. That's where mole comes from. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, that's really cute. But San Miguel de Allende is just one of the most beautiful towns in Mexico. Um, so I would want to do some inland things like that, you know, like uh, and also maybe start in Mexico City. Uh, yeah, Mexico City doesn't get enough attention oh, it's definitely on my list of places to go i i want to spend a bit of time in mexico city i think i'd i'd like that mix of like i like big cities but i also uh, conversely i really like being in nature and being in the middle of nowhere but i do like the hustle and bustle of the city and mexico yeah. city appeals to me yeah yeah so you should do three or four days at least in mexico city and then you can go to San Miguel de Allende from there. You, you can take a quick flight, I think, to Leon. And then it's a, an hour or two from there. Um, and do San Miguel de Allende. And then you fly to Puerto Vallarta. And you can either go north to Punta Mita or you can go south to um, Correas. Or there's a, a resort about an hour north of there, uh, Almandanis. Right. Really nice. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. You just planned a holiday for me there, Monica. Thank you very, <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> um, what would be your top travel tip for someone who's about to go out and set out in the open world, go traveling? Um, my top travel trip tip. Um, just you get out and get to know the locals. Okay. When I when I send clients to a country, for example, Peru, they come to me because they want to see Machu Picchu, but I want them coming home saying, "I love the people, I love the food, I love the nature." And that's 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 what I want. So when you travel anywhere, just try to like relax and be kind and get to know the locals. Yeah, Is because they like love you to Is come there. Yeah, is there any practical like how would you go like say if you're like you're in Cusco what's a good way of meeting the locals there like would you sign up for like a cookery class or would you like you say go go weaving or is there like things like that to do 
you can, it can be as simple as going to the market and yeah, yeah. Um, trying the different kinds of fruit that they have there. Yeah. You're um, going to strike amazing. up a conversation, like, aren't you? Like, yeah, you can strike yeah. up a conversation. Um, for my clients, a lot of times I will plan um, an actual visit into a community that we support. Yeah. And so when the clients go there, we pay like a family um, for their visit and then they serve them tea and sometimes they'll show them how they do the farming. Um, I remember I went out once with them and we all stood around and we said a prayer. They said their prayer to the sun or whatever. And so I prayed the way I pray. And so I thought it was really cool that they were praying the way they pray. Yeah. And I was praying the way I pray. And we, and at the end, we found out that we had each prayed for each other, which I thought was so sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And then they um, showed me, so our job was, cause we had signed up to do farming. And so our job was to shuck corn. And I did this all my growing up years in <laughs> Indiana. And I would go do, you know, uh, pulled stock by stock down and um, it took like two minutes a, 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 a ear. Yeah, yeah. And the guy has this little thing that's kind of like a piece of wood that he's kind of carved into almost like a knife. And he just slits it down and slits it down and it's done. And I was right. like, wow, you just taught me something new, like a new way <laughs> right. of looking at an old chore, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, so there's lots of ways. I mean, I remember we did a bicycle also from that same community. We went biking after because I always like to have that biking around Sacred Valley. Get to, So get you get a workout, but you get to see nature and you get to see where you are at the same time. So we did this bike down the road and the, these little kids were coming up and home from school and they stopped and smiled at us and said, hi. And so then we took some pictures and, you know, so it was really, you know, sweet. So even like something like that, you know, you're meeting people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like and it's about being open and being open into those situations to, mm -hmm. to get into those, um, to get into those situations in, in, in the first place, you have to be like open and willing. Exactly. And it's like some of my salespeople say to me, you know, Monica, I don't think everyone is open to that. Like everybody might not feel comfortable doing that. And so in that case, then it might be something better, like going to do a pottery class or a cooking class, you know, um, something like that. And yeah. a lot of those can be done in people's home or their studios. So you kind of get to know them, but there's another activity that's going on. Um, you know, that you're focused on. Yeah, so more of it's more like a teacher kind of student relationship. So people might feel more comfortable with that. But that it's still you're in their home, you're in their their studio. So you're, you're getting to connect with them. So connecting. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, Monica, a bit of a materialistic question now. What's been the best souvenir you've, you've got from your travels? Well, let's see. I have on my desk um, a Mayan. I don't know. I mean, no, this is uh, from Kenya. And I don't, I think it's like the necklace that they hang around their neck, but it's all beads and it's round. I don't know if the, you're, is this on video? Um, I can see, I know, but essentially, no, it's not. But I can describe, oh, wow. I like that. Yeah, okay. so it's it's intricate beads and um, that go round and round with like uh, more beads hanging down. And so I have this on my bulletin board. That's um, I have one of these. What is this called? Um, mandala, where uh, the prayer beads. Okay, where's that from? 
prayer beads. This is, well, how's a, um, I, I want to say that this should be from Asia, but I think it's from Brazil. Okay. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> you know, it looks kind of like what you should get in Asia, but I believe I bought it in Brazil. <laughs> Um, I always I buy a lot of jewelry. Um, I buy in Peru. I love the fabrics. So I have blankets all around my house from Peru. Nice. Um, and so and in uh, each destination, I, I look for what they specialize in. And I'll bring that. So Peru also has great silver. So we have silver frames all over the house from there. Um, this, I believe, was a gift from japan oh, that's beautiful um so it's a little um it's a little ceramic bowl with uh, a swan and uses a lot of blue and um gold and um a rust color you know uh, and, and japan is great because japan they like little tiny things so they'll fit in your bag <laughs> they've got tiny tiny little candies and tiny tiny little um cartoon guys you know um so uh that's home from japan as i actually went to one of their department stores and i got a kimono nice and then sometimes i'm just super airhead then i went to the shoe department because i i didn't like the shoes i had with me i needed like something that was comfortable but pretty so i bought some um, ballet slippers and i i did the um, math wrong and so i thought i was spending um thirty dollars and i spent three hundred wow and i don't know why my husband was so sweet to me he didn't like get as mad as i thought he was going to but i've worn those to death they're almost falling apart now um (laughs) that's a good tip isn't it if you're gonna buy something uh pretend to get the mask make sure you do your math because i just bought the kimono and i thought it was the same price just almost the same price as the kimono the kimono was 25 dollars you know um (laughs) But because I, but then, you know, um, and not a real kimono, it's a, the robe that they yeah. wear at home. You yeah. know, it was just a pretty pattern and it's not like the real beautiful antique ones, but, you know, um, uh, so uh, yeah, that would be my tip. Do your math correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so Monica, we've talked about all the positives and all the great things about travel. Have you ever got an, any t- into any sticky situations aside from the, the Mexico car. Have you ever been in any danger? Um, well, we went to Greece when um, remember, and we went to Crete, and um, and Crete is a very safe destination. Don't worry about it. But um, <laughs> I just get myself into messes, and um, and so we were going to the airport, and this was during the taxi strike, and. Um, so they wouldn't let the taxi it, and, and I am like the worst travel company person ever as far as packing. I cannot pack light. My <laughs> trips are always like to so many destinations with like, you know, cold weather and then hot weather and then fancy and then, yeah, you, then you casual and I just can't pack light. So, <laughs> you know, it's the four of us, my kids, maybe they were, um, I want to say maybe they were, 
15 and 13 and they were with me and uh, my husband and I and our probably six or eight bags and um we got and the taxis had to stop there was a uh, uh, uh the, the road was closed to the airport and we had a flight to catch and my husband does not like to miss flights we're not the kind of people that go back to the hotel and miss a flight so we um had to get out with our luggage and walk probably a mile up the, you know how airports always have a ramp up yeah yeah up the ramp you know up the highway to the to the entry of the airport and so all this whole road was filled with taxi drivers and and policemen and they were the taxi drivers were striking and the policemen were like all upset and they were throwing um tear gas and Mm. so i have a little bit of slow processing speed so my kids were able to put their shirts over their eyes quicker and run and hold the bags. I don't know how they did that. And um, and I messed up and didn't cover my eyes fast enough. So now my eyes were like crying. My eyes were like just all messed up. And I was trying to run with my suitcases and the taxi drivers actually had to pull out their bottle of water and pour it in my eyes and help me. <laughs> so it was running through tear gas and, um, in Crete, Greece was was a scary experience. <laughs> That's crazy. How, how old were your kids at the time? I think they were 13 and 15 or 12 and 14, yeah. something like that. They That's were mad. like early teens. Right. Wow, wow, Monica. Um, Monica, it's been great. I've, I've, it's been lovely speaking to you. Have you got anything you'd like to add before, um, before I let you go? Um, yeah, I just hope everybody is uh, surviving COVID. And, you know, if you're not able to travel and you're dying to travel, um, get out and go to your local parks near you. Um, stay safe. Take your mask. Do some hiking. Go to a secluded spot. Do a meditation or a little bit of yoga. Um, don't let the this COVID thing, um, you know, stamp out your desire to get out and see the world. Yeah. Like there's there's certainly little mini adventures and little, no matter where you live, there's going to be a pocket of green that's beautiful and like you can go and escape there for a short time. What, and- what we did when the um when we were first locked down, we we have a table and a bag, and we okay. have these beach chairs, and we were taking them to like beautiful view spots. And doing like what here we call it. Um, uh, what is it called when you push your uh, the back of your car open um, and you have the food there? Yeah. And yeah. you take the ch- the chairs out on the table. We were doing sundowners, just in beautiful views uh, oh. around Los Angeles. You know, P- where places where there were no people. You know, we just pulled over and just started a picnic. You know. No, that's great. I I, I agree. So go and find your go and find your little spot closer yeah. to you and get like you say meditate have a drink have some food but like don't let everything get you down exactly oh beautiful monica thank you very much it's been it's been a pleasure thank you thanks a lot i appreciate you having me on oh thanks monica You have been listening to Travel Bubble episode 12 with me, Matty Dias, and my guest, Monica Irowski. That was a good one, wasn't it? 
Again, Monica is one of those people who doesn't like collecting countries. She's been everywhere, but she likes to get to know the nooks and crannies of a country. She likes to get in-depth. Um, and after listening to her talk about Peru, I just, I just really want to go to Peru. Um, I did anyway, but the way she talks about it, like I'm really, I'm really up for it. Um, how was, how amazing was it when she just planned that uh, Mexico trip off the cuff? I really want to go and do that now as well. Post lockdown inspiration provided to you for free by Travel Bubble. It is good Travel Bubble, isn't it? Not even not not even from a bias point of view, it is it is pretty good. Speaking of how good it is, why don't you go and rate it? If you have already, then you can sit back and ignore me saying this because you're one of the good guys or girls. But for those people who have been listening, just go, oh, I'm going to tune into Travel Bubble this week. Uh, oh, a bit of free content from Matty Dias. And I don't have to give him anything in return. Just sit back and enjoy. Well, no, you have to do something in return. You have to go tell someone and tell them to tell someone else. Word will spread. And then go and rate me on Apple Follow me on Spotify. Follow me wherever you get your podcasts. The more subscribers, the more ratings, the more listeners, the more people get to know about it. And then eventually, so on and so forth, I become a podcast millionaire. That's the end goal. And you can help me achieve it. I won't forget you, though, when I am a podcast millionaire. Especially those who rated me. If you come up to me on my, on my throne, my podcast throne, and show me the rating that you gave me that time, I'll, um, I'll go, cheers. You may live. I mean, uh, not live. Uh, thank you very much for that rating. Like butterfly wings. But the butterfly effect. Your rating got me in that chart which led that person to see the see the podcast. So John Spotify, he saw it. That rating that you put. Or whatever his name is. Steve Jobs saw the rating on Apple and was like, wow, this guy's good. Let's make him a podcast millionaire and that is why you should give me a rating on apple and tell your friends in a nutshell but again i'm rambling on here it's your fault for not giving me a rating so i do apologize if you have back to the travel bubble film club this week i thought we'd stick well like with a peruvian theme because i just watched a, a peruvian documentary so this week's documentary of the week or film of the week, is called Into the Storm, Surfing to Survive. And I'll read you the brief overview. A troubled teenager from a crime-ridden neighbourhood in Peru struggles against the odds to realise his dream of becoming a professional surfer and to raise his family out of poverty. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? And it is, it is really good. And when we say a crime-ridden neighbourhood, it is pretty bad. He gets shot at one point. Um, and his way out of poverty is by surfing. Like he found an old broken surfboard uh, on the beach, and he used that, and he it turned out he was really good at it. And I'm really interested in these people who can get out of poverty by having a certain skill. So, like, whether it's through surfing, whether it's through football, like maybe darts. Like in my town, St. Helens, there's a lot of darts players who toss themselves out of poverty and I think that's a really interesting concept tossing your way out of poverty or in this case surfing your way out of poverty um, so that's surfing to survive it's it's on the BBC iPlayer 
But um, just do, have a look for that, see where you can find it, because it is worth a watch. It's not too long, um, and it's a good little documentary. So that's the Travel Bubble Film Club Choice of the Week. If you want to get involved with Travel Bubble, you can send me your hashtag my travel bubble choices to matty at travelbubblepodcast.com. Send me an email, send me a message on Instagram, on Facebook, I'll reply and I'll send you a quick form. Even if you just do want to do your, your number one country, your number one recommendation and your must-have food in that country and I'll read it out at the end. That's a good way of getting of you getting involved with the show because I am interested in, in seeing what your choices are. So don't hesitate to get in touch if that's the case. But that's about it for this week. I'm back next week with another excellent episode, as usual, next Wednesday, every Wednesday. Subscribe so you don't miss it. But you have been listening to me, Matty Dias, my guest, Monica Irowski. Check her out on Instagram and check out Yampoo Tours as well. Have a look at their website and see some of the places that they go to. I'll see you next week. Goodbye.